0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colagard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mad Splendors feature. I'm podcast producer Natalie Yar, and each week I sit down with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today, I'm here with reporter Steve Elbow. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Glad to be here. So you wrote about how Madison's racial disparities continue to grow despite many citywide initiatives intended to fix them. Can you set the context for us? How and when did the city start really paying attention to this sort of inequality?
0: Well, I don't know when they started paying attention to it. One of the first times I ever saw the word disparities was when we had a reporter named Chuck Nolan in the late 90s here, and he was one of the first people I know of that looked at pullovers in Madison, found significant disparities, wrote about it, and that caused – that got a lot of people interested, and the police department took a number of initiatives, started documenting more closely what was going on.
1: This is as in traffic stops.
0: Yes. And then I um, followed up on that a few years later to see if there was any progress made, and there wasn't. And then I just kind of ran across that story a few weeks ago and wondered what was going on now. So I checked and found out that the disparities had grown even more, and that led to, gee, what's arrests look like? And they had grown, and pretty much everything had across the board that had solid numbers attached to it.
1: Let's talk about the justice system a little bit more. What kinds of corrective measures have been taken and how have the trends changed or not changed?
0: Well, the county says that they've, on the juvenile side, seen differences in the way police handle, well, on juvenile and adult side, the way they handle arrest. They channel more people into treatment, mental health, drug and um, kids now that get citations have a chance to go to restorative justice courts instead of, like, getting the citation on their record. All that's helped drive down the numbers, total numbers of arrests, but that's widened the disparities because the number of whites that have been benefiting from these initiatives is a lot greater than the number of blacks, so the gulf gets wider.
1: Interesting. Okay. Okay. And how about in schools what progress if any have we seen?
0: Well, I mean that would be good to see solid numbers and I was I wanted to go through a little more closely the um the achievement markers, test grades, disciplinary records but the school district Did not respond to my request for that information and follow-up emails weren't even returned. So I'm not even sure when to expect that information.
1: Because you've been asking for weeks, right? Right.
0: But the disparities in the school district are widely known to be some of the worst in the nation.
1: If this issue has been on the radar for decades, why has so little changed?
0: A lot of people think it's because if you attack little pieces of it, which a lot of nonprofits and a lot of government organizations do, you never get to the core of the problem, which is pretty much is all across society. There's uncertain funding streams. There's um, I mean, a perfect example is the um, United Way recently saying that they're going to shift their focus from teen and um, middle school after school programs, mostly the Boys and Girls Club, to birth to four programs, following the scientific data that suggests that your key development years are one to four. But that that's an either or. Now the Boys and Girls Club has to come up with $75,000 to fund its programs for low-income and minority kids while that money goes somewhere else. What's missing, a lot of people say, is a across-the-board birth to, through the criminal justice, through job training, through every factor of society needs to be funded and funded with government help so that funding sources do not dry up. Michael Johnson from the Boys and Girls Club suggested maybe something along the lines of the wheel tax that was just passed in Madison to, to fund the rapid tra- bus rapid transit and applying that to disparities. But... Um, I I don't see any initiatives like that on the horizon.
1: And Michael Johnson also said that there's a certain type of effort that he's not interested in participating in anymore. Can you tell me about that?
0: So Michael Johnson was involved in several attempts to work in this area, and one of them was a 15-point plan that he and the Focused Interruption Coalition, a group of uh, community and faith leaders that uh, sprung up in reaction to gun violence a couple of years ago. They proposed a 15-point plan that went across the spectrum to deal with treatment, anti-violence, peer support, a number of things. And that really didn't get any traction in the city. And he spent, he said he spent 18 months putting this together, talking to everyone in the community, trying to get support, trying to come up with good ideas. And one point got funded out of the 15, and that caused a rift with the city. And he's not interested in just talking problems to death anymore. He wants to see some action. But like everyone else, he doesn't know where that action might come from.
1: And which efforts do seem to be working?
0: Um, the ones to cut down on arrests in general. I mean, they obviously have an impact on total arrests. That keeps some people out of the criminal justice system and gives them a better shot at a future. You know, when you look at total numbers, so it does seem like there's some progress being made. But there's you, know, you can't argue with the fact that disparities are there and they're getting worse. So, but I mean, there is one aspect. You know, in the news. Recently, that kind of drives home the fact that these disparities matter, that there are ongoing costs. If you look at this coronavirus, it's a good example of how that the cost of societies actually is incurred because like the flu, service workers and people who have low income jobs, a lot of them African Americans or other minorities. They cannot afford to take days off work. If they don't show up to work, they don't get paid. And these are the people that handle your food, take care of your kids, watch over your grandfather at the nursing home. They're going to go to work sick, and they're not going to report it. And so the spread of the disease is vastly enabled by the fact that people have to work when they're sick. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs.
1: And one of the ways that Madison came to know about the extent of these problems was through this report, the Race to Equity report. Can you explain just a little bit about that and about how a group like that measures these kind of factors?
0: Well, they were the first effort to actually put a comprehensive um look on the disparities, and they measured across criminal justice education, health care and uh employment and This was done right after, right after the recession when the um disparities in unemployment put uh, black workers about about three times as likely to be out of work than white workers. that shrunk because in good economic times the disparities aren't as great because people are hiring, of course, when things get hard. The first jobs to go are low-income jobs that people least like to work in. So their report update this summer is likely to show some improvement on that score. It's not likely to show improvement in terms of achievement gaps and disparities in the criminal justice system, although it'll probably reflect the fact that um, there are fewer disciplinary measures in school all around, fewer arrests, which means fewer people being put into the criminal justice system.
1: What was surprising to you in this reporting?
0: Just the extent of the widening of the gap. I was expecting kind of small numbers on, on either side, but the fact that things have, have moved fairly quickly in you know, the right direction if you're looking at total numbers, but the wrong direction in terms of disparities, that was surprising.
1: What developments are you watching for in this story?
0: Developments... I don't think anybody's holding their breath for anything great to happen. Nothing so far has really made a big lasting dent in the problem, just like nationwide, and you see it reflected in the political discourse. The gorilla in the room is the fact that if you help a certain race of people to try to overcome the challenges that society placed on them, There's a good chance that a lot of white people under the same economic situation are going to be upset about not getting the same level of services. I think that that always has been and remains a big obstacle to progress.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to my conversation with Steve Elbow, whose reporting digs into local environmental and political issues. Tune in next week for an interview with public affairs reporting fellow Parker Shore. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the Mad Spliners on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening, and leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, all about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, and Wedge Issues, all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening.